0: Today we want to address the subject, living by faith. I'll be in the 20th chapter of Acts, verses 17 through 28. Those of you that are scholars understand that the 20th chapter is the Apostle Paul's farewell speech on four different occasions, actually. And so we want to look at living by faith as he has defined it in one of his farewell messages. Picking it up in verse 17, the Bible says, From Miletus, Paul sent to Ephesus for the elders of the church. When they arrived, he said to them, You know how I lived the whole time I was with you. From the first day I came into the province of Asia. I served the Lord with great humility and with tears and in the midst of severe testing by the plots of my Jewish opponents. You know that I have not hesitated to preach anything that would be helpful to you, but have taught you publicly and from house to house. I have declared to both Jews and Greeks that they must turn to God in repentance and have faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. Our message, what is our message that we as as believers of Jesus Christ proclaim. What is the disciple? What does it look like? How do we know whether or not we are being obedient to the Word of God in what we live, what we proclaim, what we do, how we think, how we respond to life? You've got three areas here that are uh, preached by Paul. One is the message. He says... I have declared to both Jews and Greeks, or non-Jews, that they must turn to God in repentance. That message of repentance. John the Baptist preached that message of repentance. Repentance is that word in the Greek that literally means a change of mind that leads to a change of direction. That change of direction is conversion. In the King James Version, when Jesus says in Matthew 18, Except you be converted and become as little children. To become childlike, to have that change of mind that results in a change of direction, that change of direction becomes a childlikeness in each and every one of us. That, that repentance is a change of mind, a change of attitude, it's a change of purpose, it's a change of lifestyle, it's all the above. In the Old Testament, we see a good example of that in the situation with Jonah. Jonah despised the Ninevites, the people from Nineveh. They were a wicked and evil people. They were horrible. They were involved in child sacrifice to their idols. Uh, they were just, uh, the debauchery and, and immorality that existed in Nineveh was through the roof. And Jonah was asked by God to go and preach. Repentance to the city of Nineveh. You know the story. Jonah said, "Ah, not me, Lord. I'm not going to do it. I'm going somewhere else. Got on a ship. They threw him overboard in a storm. A fish swallowed him up and three days later regurgitated him, threw him up on the shoreline. I had an Old Testament professor, Dr. Clyde Francisco, says, you know what? When you're standing on a beach covered in seaweed smelling like whale vomit, people listen to you. (laughs) <laughs> and Jonah took issue with that he had no desire to go but here it was in, in Jonah the Bible tells us in the third chapter Jonah began by going a day's journey into the city proclaiming 40 more days and will be will be overthrown that was somewhat to the delight of Jonah He looked forward to Nineveh being overthrown by God. The Ninevites believed God. A fast was proclaimed, and all of them, from the greatest to the least, put on sackcloth. When Jonah's warning reached the king of Nineveh, he rose from his throne, took off his royal robes, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat down in the dust. And this is the proclamation he issued in Nineveh. he relented and did not bring on them the destruction that He had threatened. So this repentance was there. Jesus used it in addressing the Jewish leadership in His day. Jesus said, The men of Nineveh will stand up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it. For they repented at the preaching of Jonah. Well, you see, preach, the, repentance is a change of mind that results in a change of Of direction, a change of attitude, a change of behavior. That's exactly what repentance is. You cannot have conversion without repentance. And true repentance is going to necessarily result in conversion, that is, a change of direction in your life. And so, Paul talked to them about the fact that I preached. Everywhere I went, it didn't really matter who the crowd was. It didn't matter what their religious persuasion was. It didn't matter who they were economically, financially, ethnically, any of those things. I preached the same message. And that message was repentance. And Jesus talked about the two, parable of the two sons in Matthew 21. Where you had, He said, suppose you had a father who had two sons. He tells one son to go into his vineyard and labor and that son said i'll not do it but then he changed his mind and went into the vineyard then the second son he asked to do the same thing to go work in his vineyards and the son's response was i'll go i'll certainly do this and yet did not do it which of these two did the will of his father and the leadership said, well, I guess it would be the first son who said he wouldn't go, but he changed his mind and went and performed exactly as the father had asked him to do to begin with. You, so you see, repentance is a change of mind that brings about a change of direction in your heart and mind, regardless of what you have said verbally, regardless of that what kind of public decision that you have made at a camp at a bible study in the living room of your home at a church gathering whatever the case might be has your life reflected a change of mind that we can say without hesitation it's in christ alone in christ alone not according to my desires my will my thoughts but in christ alone my attitude has changed. That's what true repentance is all about. Then he says, not only have I preached repentance, but I have preached faith in our Lord Jesus. Faith, not in the church, not in denominational activity, not in some, some great philosopher or pastor or, or evangelist, but faith specifically and clearly in our Lord Jesus is that where your faith is today? Are you walking with the Lord? Have you truly turned your heart and mind and life over to the Lord Jesus Christ? Is are you walking with him? Is he the focus of every day of your life? And then in verse 24, he says, "The task of testifying to the good news of God's grace." God's grace. So that message not only has in it repentance, it has faith in our lord jesus christ and it also is absolutely uh saturated with grace grace unmerited favor giving us something we really don't deserve grace is is that which the legalistic leadership of the jewish following had a difficult time understanding it was law it was legalistic endeavor It was checking off a list every day about what we could do to gain the favor of God. And yet, the Bible says, it's by grace are you saved, through faith, not of yourselves. It is a gift of God. And that's exactly what grace is all about, this chorus. It is that gift of God. It is unmerited favor receiving that which we do not uh, deserve. And not only that, the fourth element of our message is found in verse 27. He says, For I have not hesitated to proclaim to you the whole will of God. I didn't leave anything out. I told you everything that God has told me. I've given you every message that the Lord has laid on my heart, Paul was saying. And so you need to preach the entirety of the will of God. Uh, Without any exception, without any exclusion, do it. When God says, do this, we would be remiss and negligent if we omitted it. If we omitted it in our own lives, if we omitted it to those with whom we come in contact. I have talked to you about the whole will of God, not just a part of it. Now that's our message, repentance, faith in our Lord Jesus Christ, grace that we have received and always give everyone an answer of the hope that was in you with grace, with that, that measure of love and understanding that they may not know what you're talking about. They may not understand where you are in your walk with the Lord. They may not be there themselves. It, it may take some time to get them along, but grace, you're going to help them walk with the lord and then the whole will of god leaving nothing out nothing secondly we he talks about our faith look in verse 22 where paul says now compelled by the holy spirit i am going to jerusalem he was so intent on going to jerusalem he decided not to take another four-day trip up into ephesus but instead called their leadership to meet him there in Miletus. And so in, there in Miletus, as he's talking to this leadership from Ephesus, he's saying, I've got to go to Jerusalem. Nobody wants him to go. People are trying to convince him not to go, but nevertheless, he's going. But look what he says. Now, compelled by the Spirit, I am going to Jerusalem not knowing what will happen to me there knowing is this not God's will in our lives going not knowing there's not a day that you and I know what's going to transpire that day oh we can do our little uh, our little planning we can get it together in that particular way uh, we can we can allow the daily planning to go on as as much as we think we can we've got an we've got appointments we've got certain things that are transpiring here but here we have going not knowing well some years ago a few years ago i was involved in a pastor's conference in ukraine and i had a particular individual that wanted to uh, have me pray for him and we gathered together at the end of the pastor's conference and we were gathered around together in prayer. And I asked him, I said, exactly how can I pray for you? He said, well, you know, we went to a, a Muslim village a couple of weeks for uh, about a week just recently. And he said, I went there and I was gathering up the people and talking to them. There are no Christian witnesses in this village. And he said, I was trying to clean up their town and do some little things that, that brought a positive notice. And he says, I'll be moving my entire family there in the next few weeks. And I said, so specifically, how can I pray for you in that transition? He said, it's a Muslim community. He said, they, I know that when they find out that I'm a Christian, a Christ follower that they will kill me and what i need for you to pray is for me to be strong and i said wow that's quite a prayer i don't know anybody in my churches back home have ever come to me with that request but he said you know about six months ago he said we had authorities that came into our house and tore our house apart and 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 found bibles under our flooring and things of this nature and, and beat me up to where i was almost dead and he said i got a little fearful at that point would you just simply pray that i'm not fearful that i'm not afraid i don't mind committing my life for the lord jesus christ but pray that i'll be strong and that i'll be a witness if that's what happens and this is exactly what the apostle Paul is saying I don't know they have told me that they are waiting for me in Jerusalem and that I will either be arrested or killed or ultimately both so just just pray going not knowing being led by the Holy Spirit uh, to us means something different than walking out the door every day and expecting not to return home in the afternoon because your life has been required of you To us being led by the Spirit simply means committing each and every day to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. It means for you and I not to worry about today. We make plans. We have provisions. We have things that we would like to see accomplished in our lives. And yet, God says, don't worry about tomorrow. Jesus in His Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 6 says, each day has enough care and concern of its own. Don't worry about it. Worry's not going to have any effect on it at all. It's, it's going to affect you, but it's not going to affect the outcomes of the day. So our faith is going, not knowing. We don't know what's going to happen. I, every day I pray, Lord, this is your day. These are your hours. Whatever you want to do with them, I'm good with it. And oh, I've always had that habit of when I get into the office, I make a list, that little uh, one-minute time manager. And I I'll, I'll list them down. I prioritize the things I want to see happen. And probably by 10 o'clock in the morning, I've crumpled it up and thrown it in the garbage can. Because <laughs> God says, no, I don't think so. I think this is where I want you to go today. This is who I want you to talk to today. Maybe you can get to that person tomorrow. Maybe. <laughs> But each day is committed to the Lord Jesus Christ. James put it this way. Now listen, you who say today or tomorrow we'll go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business, make money, while you do not even know what will happen tomorrow. Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. That's it. Are you the type of believer in your own life, in addition to the message that you proclaim, does your faith Reflect a going not knowing lifestyle thirdly our mission look at our mission verse 24 and following he says now here we have he says in verse 24 however I consider my life worth nothing to me my only aim and if you would underline anything in red this would be it My only aim, what is your only aim? To finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me. Finish the race. How frustrating it is to see people dropping out of races. Sometimes it's necessary. Sometimes there are events beyond their control that cause them to drop out of the race. But for someone... To just quit is a discouragement to others who are watching you, who are trying to determine the level of their commitment based on your level of commitment. Finish the race. Finish strong. If I could say anything to you men and women here today and throughout this world, finish strong. Complete the task. He says, I, my aim is to finish the race And complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me. What is that task that he's given you? You've got the message. We've already talked about that. You've got the faith that he is expecting us to do. Committing our day to him. Going not knowing. Are you being faithful in discharging these responsibilities? Finish the race. Complete the task. You know how frustrating it is for people around us. I know our husbands and wives get frustrated at us for incomplete projects. You know, I don't want to see any elbow in here. Projects that that are just simply incomplete. Projects that are around the house, around the yard, around the neighborhood, in our heart, in our mind, on our desk, that just sit there uh, being put off to another day. Complete the task. Finish the race. Complete the task. And thirdly, care for the church. Look at verse, I'm going to take you down to verse 28. He says, keep watch over yourselves and all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Be shepherds of the church of God, which he bought with his own blood. We make a big deal in our new members orientation of the fact that the the body of believers here is the bride of Christ. In Ephesians 5, when the scriptures are admonishing men to commit themselves to their wives, give yourself to her, as Christ Jesus gave himself to the church because he died for her. And You and I need to have that same love and admiration and absolute shepherding over the family of God as Christ has asked us to do. He gave His life for the church. The church, Ephesians talks about, is the mystery that God had kept hidden from Satan, the adversary. It is that church family. We look at the, the, the great cities in the Scripture here. The Ephesus, all these... Corinth and and so many of the others that, that were great in their day and yet they're simply archaeological discoveries today but the church thrives it thrives in adverse conditions and circumstances and we who love the church and are part of this church family which will be a part of this eternal family need to embrace it to protect it you know You can tell me that you love your physical family and you see them every now and then. They may be close by, but you don't talk about them in a positive way. You don't visit with them. Where's the love? To the church member, this is a family of faith. We are here. We are better together. We are one in Christ Jesus as our Lord and Savior. And the Apostle Paul is telling the leadership there at Ephesus. He says, whatever you do, keep watch over yourselves and all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Be shepherds of the church of God, which he bought with his own blood. He knew times were tough in that first century church. And he knew times would be tough prior to the second coming of Jesus Christ. It is our Will that we watch over this church. Protect it. Guard it. Promote it. It is the visible body of Jesus Christ. It is the bride of Christ. These are the ones, those who have trusted Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior. When the Lord returns, He's going to be receiving us. Amen. The Apostle Paul said in Philippians 3, 13 through 14. But one thing I do, forget what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to which the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. To young Paul would, would write, I have faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. So, what's your mission? It's to finish the race. Complete the task. Care for the church. Care for the church. Well, earlier on, we have a situation in in the 20th chapter of Acts where Paul was there celebrating on the first day of the week. Verse 7 says, On the first day of the week, people have asked me, Why do we meet on Sunday instead of on the Sabbath, Saturday? Because the first day of the week was called the Lord's Day. The Lord's Day was celebrated on Sunday because that's the day that He was resurrected. It is the day that they honored him. It was the day that Pentecost occurred. It was the day, Revelation, John said, I was caught up in the Spirit on the Lord's day. That's the first day of the week. It became a Christ-following celebration. And he says, We came together to break bread. And the indication in the Greek in that particular time was to celebrate the Lord's Supper. The Lord's Supper is a celebration of all that Jesus has done for us by giving His body, shedding His blood so that you and I might be the righteousness of God through Him, through Him, that we might be able to stand before the Lord one day and see our names written in the book of life. I want you to recognize the fact that you don't have to be a member of Trinity Baptist Church to participate in this. There are cups in the pews in front of you, or if you're on the wings, on the floor underneath you, and we invite you to take that cup and participate. I want you to know this is the Lord's Supper. It's not mine. It's not yours. It's the recognition of us in Christ Jesus, of the faith that we have in Jesus.